I have uh, a lot of scriptures, a lot of uh, comments that I have prepared, and if I use them, that's fine. If I don't, uh, you're going to find out uh, in your ministry, the best thing to do is just follow the Holy Spirit. There's a verse of scripture that's found in 1 Timothy. It's not in the outline, but it uh, sets forth what we want to talk about. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, or chapter 5, I'm sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Now, a lot of people might look at that and say, Well, you mean we're supposed to give double honor to the elders? We've had two wonderful elders, others that have spoken before us, but... I want to encourage you to make sure that when you read these scriptures that you're properly reading them in the context and the words that are being presented. The word honor here is probably not a very good uh, translation. In fact, the word uh, Greek word is uh, spelled time, T-I-M-E, Timmy. And uh, what it really means is, is payment. Brother Skinner brought out that, you know, in a either payment or weight, and the weight is given when we weigh something out as payment. And it's saying to give double honor to them. There are men that have stood in this pulpit that were meat for the master's use. I want you to take real close examination, and they're they're going to be, God's a great paymaster. The word honor you're going to find in uh, the book of Timothy, and Uh, Just to give you a little bit of introduction um, about Timothy, if you read uh, Smith's Bible Dictionary or another dictionary concerning uh, Timothy, uh, he was born of a mixed marriage, okay? Uh, His father was a Greek and his mother was a Jewish. If you really uh, study out young preacher Timothy, uh, his father uh, didn't raise him. In fact, his father wasn't anywhere to be found. Most likely he was born and raised up, and he was raised up with the scriptures by his mother and his grandmother. But here comes the Apostle Paul along, and of course he hadn't been circumcised, and that was causing some issues. And and because of these issues, um, Paul took Timothy under his wing. Even though he didn't have a father being raised up. There are preachers in this room, older ministers that will take you, and they will help you if you'll let them. My dad, and I've made mention of this multiple times, but my dad was a, a graduate of Arsenal Technical High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. When he graduated, he could not read with a degree. My teaching of the Bible didn't happen from my dad sharing those things for me. But there was an elder that I believe deserves double payment for taking me and teaching me. And not only Brother Moran, but many others along the way that I really appreciate. And I, with all my heart, believe. And that's not my judgment. It's the... To be meat for the master's use, this is, 
This is the master we're talking about. You need to be meat for him. Jesus Christ is the master. As you think about that, he was raised up without a father, his mother, his grandmother, he's uncircumcised, and yet that did not deter him from preaching the gospel. And it didn't deter uh, the apostle Paul from taking Timothy and, and teaching him these things that need to be taught and that we need to learn. Our reading lesson in our text will come from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21. And I've been struggling about how to make this shorter. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I can just read that verse. And I have. I've read just one verse and got up and preached on that one verse. But the Lord said, no, you read. The word of God is so important. And the message that is here, that Timothy, and, and I, want, I, I want to give you some advice, you young preachers, uh, familiarize yourself very instinctly with First uh, and Second Timothy in the book of Titus. It will help you in great, great, great uh, weight as you uh, go into your ministry. And that's what this is all about. We've got a lot of young ministers here, and so I want to encourage you to, to read that. So let's read uh, on uh, this morning, uh, first, uh, uh, the second chapter of 2 Timothy as we go into this message, you pray for us. He said, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What a way to start. He said, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. As we go into this message, that's why we come here, folks. We come here for this uh, very reason. So please listen uh, uh, to these ministers as they get up before you because you're going to be endured with some things that are harder to, uh, today and will be harder tomorrow than you've ever experienced. But you still can be useful in the work of the Lord. He said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Keep in mind, you've been chosen by God. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that, uh, that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding of all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about with words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. 
Study to shew thyself approved of to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. He said, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's very important. Especially that uh, all of that is studying and rightly dividing the word. Dig it out and find out uh, as we go into this. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker of whom I, Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrown the faith of some. He said, nevertheless, the foundation, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore, listen now, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. And I really do. I want every vessel in here to be of honor, to honor God, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared into every good work. Flee also useful, uh, youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do, do gender stripes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but to be gentle, apt to teach, and... Uh, Uh, He says, uh, unto all men, I'm sorry, but he must be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to know the knowledge of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive at his will. Uh, I taught a lesson a few weeks ago uh, over in Macon County, and I guess I speak their language pretty good there. Uh, but as we taught that lesson over in Macon County, uh, one of the things that I said to those preachers is, I, I want to be a help. I want to help people. I want to help you. And I want you to be a help to me. And you are a help to me, and we can be a help to each other as we study together and learn together. And the thing that I want you to to aspire to be is meat for the master's use. Now, when we look at that word meat as it is defined, it means to be very useful. I want you to be very useful uh, in the work. I'll tell you, when Brother Aaron was, uh, I don't know why I keep thinking about this, but when Brother Aaron was up here talking about uh, uh, how important the gospel is and music and the church, uh, I come across, and you will too, there's going to be times in your ministry that you come across things that you just can't fully explain, but it's in there, and it's really deep, and it's really rich. One thing that's really, uh, sometimes it's just real simple. I I got up one morning, I was studying, and and praying about what I would preach on it at Buffalo Springs. And, and the, the Lord just directed me to, you know, when Jesus was uh, uh, praying all night, you know, with the disciples and they took the Lord's Supper. And after they took the Lord's Supper, it says they went out to the Mount of Olives. And you know what they did? It says they sung a hymn. And I began to think, well, I wonder what hymn they sung. There's 150 of them in the Psalms. 
And if you go to look, and Moses had a lot of different uh, songs. And there's many other songs that were there. But it says that Jesus went out. And I have yet to figure out what psalm he sung. But whatever it was, it was good. And that's what we need to do. We need to search what God wants for each one of us in order. And it's to do that, to be useful, not to, uh, just to the church, not to the ministry, uh, just to, not to the ministry, but be useful to the Lord, you see. And, and, and everyone in here is useful to the Lord or God would not have called you to preach. You can be useful to the Lord or God would not have called you uh, to carry his word. And so now, as we go into this, the word useful means, uh, it means to be fit, suitable, or profit, uh, proper, qualified, convenient, and uh, adapted as to the use or the purpose. Now, who said that? Noah Webster said that. That's what the word meat means. It means to be meat for the master's use. Now, when you look at the word master, uh, there's variations both in the Hebrew and the Greek of the word master. When we look at the word um, for the master's use, we'll look at that uh, Greek. It's, uh, in this context, it's, uh, I don't know how to s- pronounce it, so I'll not do that. But the word use means to be a sanctification and profitable to the master, to every good work having been prepared is what Young's letter, a literal and a translation says. And so uh, when we think about this, the thing that I want you to notice is who is our ministerial master? Who is your ministerial master? We've got a lot of men that will help you, but when it comes down to it, brothers, what you have to understand is your master is Jesus Christ. And he will speak to you through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures will always harmonize. I say that about every time I get up here, but I cannot reemphasize enough to, to that. And what you have to understand is Jesus Christ, the Holy Word, and the Holy Spirit are very useful when we submit uh, to His will. Uh, when you get up and preach the gospel, uh, when you're preaching, uh, my brother Chris, the other day we were talking and he said uh, to me, he said, well, when I get through preaching, it feels like I just make a mess of everything. I said, well, you did pretty good then. Because that's exactly the way you ought to feel when you come out of the pulpit. If you come out puffed up and uh, with pride, uh, God can't use that. But when you submit to God's will and you humble yourself and present what he says how to present, that can be useful for the master's use. So you need to submit to that. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about. I'm going to, uh, the word master is, uh, has 12 different words in the Hebrew and Greek. And, and so I'm going to skip around a little bit. Uh, but in the Hebrew, uh, there's five different words used for the word master. One is Lord. One is owner, a uh, great mighty elder, the prince, the head, uh, the chief captain. And in Malachi 2 and 12, it means uh, to wake up and to stir up. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do with you uh, when you submit to him. Now in the word in the Greek, uh, there's uh, uh, is the other seven words uh, uh, for the word master. And in the context that we want to talk to you about, uh, we want you to submit uh, to this master as your sovereign master. Uh, Jesus Christ is the one uh, that we need to submit to. And now, when you look at the words in 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2, 2 Timothy 2 and 21, Titus 2 and 9, and in 1 Peter 2 and 18, this is what Peter said. He said, servants be subject 
subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the forward. And so we find here uh, that it also means a teacher. You're going to find sometimes uh, that when you read master, it means teacher. And in some cases, it might mean a superintendent who stands over. And I want you to understand that. Uh, God is standing over me right now, and he is helping me uh, to, to give this word uh, to every one of you. And when we submit to the Holy Spirit, he'll take over, and we'll just leave the rest to him. And so that's how I try to preach. And now in um, Luke 9 and 33, when he talks about it being a superintendent. It says that Peter said unto Jesus, Master, he said, it's a good thing for us to be here. Now this is uh, talking about the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, or uh, Peter calls Jesus Master. And he says, it is good for us to be here. And he said, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. And it says, not knowing what he said, that's talking about Peter. And so we find that uh, there's many other places that you'll find the word master, but they don't all mean the same thing. Uh, the other context in the Greek means a leader, a master or Lord, or even in the uh, Hebrew, uh, uh, it means a rabbi or a teacher. Uh, you're going to find that uh, that's the same word too. And then another word is pilot or steersman or governor. These are all in uh, the outline. If you uh, want to take those out and study them, I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, but one of the things I want to talk to you about is defection. We've got some that have started out this way, that has started uh, with us in the minister school 30 years ago, and they have fallen by the wayside. I want to I warn every one of you that are here today that if we're not careful, we don't stay connected to God, and we don't let him use us and be meat for the master's use. Uh, I could be the next one to fall by the wayside, and you could be the next one after that, or you could be first, or I can be second, but Satan wants to destroy your ministry, and you take note of that and write it down that even though he wants to destroy uh, the ministry that God has put you in, he cannot if you submit uh, to the will of God and call upon him to help you every step of the way. Now, beware of defection. Turn with me to John chapter 6 and verse 66, and uh, we'll uh, uh, expound upon that a little bit if God will let us uh, uh, to do that. I appreciate the Holy Spirit. I don't want to, what Brother Bradley said, he shows love everywhere he goes. Sometimes my wife will take me off to the side, boy, that was rough. You need to be a little nicer. And so uh, sometimes you got to reprove, rebuke, and resort with all long suffering, and doctrine is what the Bible says. And sometimes you got to be stuck. I believe Jesus was stern a few times, but every time he was stern, he did it out of a loving and compassionate heart. Just like we learned a little bit ago. But listen to this. I love these passages of Scripture because even Jesus himself warned us and to beware become disciples of defection. And when you're going to be, uh, uh, you're going to be challenged. All of us are going to be challenged. I've been praying the last couple of years even harder about about the challenges that we are facing and it's getting more uh, more intense. It's getting more intense all the time. And it's causing a lot of our churches, you see, uh, to fold up. And, and, uh, and some of them are expanding. And as they are expanding, uh, you know, one of the things that we need to, uh, we need help from each other in order to do that. Uh, but I also uh, believe this, that you need to be in the center of God's will in order for you to be used uh, for the master's use. Now, 
in the sixth chapter of the book of John. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. How? I, that, that blows my mind. How can somebody that walked with Jesus Christ and saw all the things he did decide, well, maybe this isn't for me. And you may leave here today. You may have been filled up yesterday. You may look tomorrow and say, well, this is just, I'm not in it. I'm going to tell you, you better get in it. You need to get in it and you need to be all in it. You preach every sermon like that. There's been some men that have stood in this pulpit, in this school. And I'll tell you what, Brother Keith Freeze, he was one that really inspired me. Because he got up here once at one time, and he was one that when he'd get up, he, he would preach from the depths of his heart. And one of the things he said, he said, every time I get up to preach that sermon, he said, I preach it as it's going to be my last one, because it very well could be. And you preach it just like that. After these disciples went away, Jesus said to the twelve, You listen, you put yourself in this seat. He said, will you also go away? Now, if you're going to go away, I got news for you. Go away and pray. Talk to the Lord and let him give you clear direction on what you need to do. And it's been been, uh, recurring multiple times throughout these sessions. You ask for help. God gives you help. You got to act on it. Right then. Maybe that action might not be get up and grab back your bags and run away like Junior Moore said. He's got one of these days I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna take a flight without a suitcase and travel without it. Sometimes that's what you gotta do. You gotta leave the baggage behind and go and follow what Jesus says to do. And eventually I'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But I believe Jesus is telling his disciples and trying to reaffirm to them uh, that you've got a calling. uh, You've got something you need to do. And when you do it and you meet the master's use of it, he will bless you uh, with honor, a double weight, a double portion. He says a payment. There's not a greater paymaster than Jesus Christ. Then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, you know this, to whom shall we go? He says, thou hast the words of eternal life. You take notice of that, what Peter is saying. God has entrusted you to carry the truth of the gospel. And we need to do it well. He said, and we believe that thou art sure that thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Issachariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So now, as we think about this, I want you to uh, think about your calling. You know, a lot of people, they'll read Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to encourage you to do this. Uh, talk, uh, read and study second, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and take a good look at Ephesians. And, and when you think about it, I, I was going to wait to the end of this, but if you really study it out, uh, that angel that, uh, uh, of the church at Ephesus that Jesus was speaking to, you know, uh, that lost their first love, I believe uh, uh, from his story and, and tradition uh, that, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
Paul was preparing Timothy to be a pastor of the church at Ephesus. He was. And then, even after that, Paul, this is what I'm trying to say. He just didn't stop there. He wrote another letter to the church at Ephesus, you see. And he told uh, Timothy and Titus and all them young preachers everything they needed to do. He told them what they needed to do, but then it was up to them to act on that and do what God had told them to do. But it came up, even in the book of Revelation, as one of the churches that uh, that uh, Jesus addressed. And he, uh, Timothy, may have well been, uh, as many, uh, a lot smarter people than I, uh, know of that uh, have written that he could have been that angel and he wasn't an angel he was a messenger of God and that's what you have to understand when you read that about the angel you are a messenger of God let that sink in you are a messenger of God and because you have uh, you are a messenger of God you have experienced as it's already been said uh, you have experienced uh, uh, a no soul a heartfelt called out uh, repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he filled you up with so much love and when he filled you up with that love the thing that he wanted you to do is tell other people about that great love and no matter who they are where they are uh, we need to be ready for the master's use uh, to tell it uh, when he says to tell it when Paul Paul was talking to the church in Ephesians in the fourth chapter. Hey, I want you to study the entire chapter because I don't have time to go into all of it, but listen to what he says. He says to the church in Ephesus in chapter 4, verse, thir- uh, verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, I beg you, that's what he's saying. I beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Now that word vocation uh, uh, is a calling is what that is. It's a calling. It's not just the job that you're here to do. It's the calling that encompasses uh, what you as a vocation have been called to do. And that is to preach the gospel. Didn't you hear that in the reading today? Absolutely. Uh, Paula is going to tell us that's what we need to do. We find that this Greek word is only found uh, one time in the Bible here in this context uh, that we read. It's a, it's a calling. And what he says, he says that we need to walk worthy of the vocation or the calling wherewith you are called. And he says, you do it not high and mighty, uh, not being proud. I want every preacher in here, whether you preach one sermon or you have preached a thousand, uh, to be a successful minister of Jesus Christ. I mean that from the depths of my heart. Now, how do you do it? With all lowliness. That's what he says. He said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in what? In love. I love the way this all works out. Endeavoring. Now, that word endeavoring means you need to make speed and haste. Don't just sit back and wait. When God says to do something, please do it. Somebody, (laughs) oh me, I'd like to just sit and tell you more about how Brother Monty got over to Buffalo Springs Church. Amen. He got there because of a little voice that talked to him in the middle of the night that just said, Belize, and woke him up. 
But you know what? God was working on another preacher in Belize who wanted what we have here. Don't take, do not take for granted what we have here, brothers. Do not take it for granted. But God worked all that out and he brought us all together for a reason. And I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to what God has in store, not just for tonight, but what he has in store for the future, for the sake of my grandchildren, your grandchildren, and the generations to come, if God allows it to. And if he does, I got news for you. There's going to be a lot of trouble, a lot of persecution. You think it's hard now? It's, going, it's getting ready to get harder. My wife says, I don't want to hear that. Well, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The more you put into it, the tougher it's going to get. Do not walk out of here and say, well, he told us everything was just going to be uh, uh, butterflies and, and roses. It's not. If you're doing it right, it's going to get real tough. I have problems in my life just like you have. I have broken relationships where I've got to take care of grandkids because parents have divorced and and it's ugly and there's things that take place and Satan will do everything he can even cause uh, things to go on in marriages and other things in families and in uh, just community and all these other things. Uh, But listen, do not stop. Brother Whitty says, stand tall. If you stand tall with the Lord, he'll help you every step of the way. way. I love you, brothers. I love you from the depths of my heart. So we need to endeavor. Endeavor to what? To keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I feel more peace in this feeling than I do in the world. I feel it more peace when I'm in the midst of God's congregation anticipating the preaching of the word and singing songs of glory and honor to the one, the axios, who's worthy to be praised. That's what that Greek word means. He's earned the right. And because he has earned the right, we should lift up our hearts with great peace and joy, knowing that our final destination is coming soon. But work while you have the opportunity. There's one body, one spirit, and one call. He says, and one hope of your calling, the vocation for wherewith you've been called. I read a devotional. I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, we'd like to read this. And I read a devotional last year. Uh, I was already on the docket last year as a, 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 uh, to do this lesson. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't ready. And it wasn't ready for me to present it. And you're going to find that there's things that God's going to give you along the way. Oh, I'll be just excited to preach that. And he won't let you do it yet. And then, and then you'll be like Brother David. Witty, up you ready to preach. And, and uh, ten minutes before you're supposed to get up, uh-oh. He changes it. I got some advice I learned a long time ago. About 29 years ago, probably 30 years ago, I was going to preach an appointment. And uh, my wife said, what you going to preach on today, honey? And I told her, and I was so excited to get ready to preach that. I got up in the pulpit. And I mean, as I was getting up, the Lord said, you're not preaching that. 
You just go with him. You go with him. <laughs> I've had so many lovely experiences across this country and afar of preaching the gospel. Just the little things. I learned real early in my ministry. I was going to preach at Palm Tree. Brother Terry Nicodemus was there. <laughs> and I got there and I said, the Lord laid something on my heart to preach. And uh, I was there getting ready to go up and he changed it. He said, you're going to preach to the lost. You're going to preach, the, you're going to preach out of the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is. Still can remember it. I hadn't been preaching probably two months. And I said, Lord, why do I need to go and preach that? And Brother Terry had two daughters that wasn't saved. I didn't know that. I didn't need to know that. I got news for you. You don't need to know. Amen. You just go. Amen. And you preach what God gives you to preach. Yes. Now, in this devotion, it was entitled, Use Me Like Peter. Would you like to be used like Peter? Well, let's look for just a moment at what I'm talking about. In the fifth chapter of the book of Luke, this is what it says. And it came to pass that as the people passed upon him to hear the word of God, there are people still passing by to hear the word of God. Sometimes you might get a little aggravated of people that need to hear the word of God, like the two or three little boys that kept turning the generator off while we were trying to have service in Belize, and the lights would go dark, but you know what we just kept doing? We kept singing, we kept preaching, and somebody said, well, we ought to run them little boys off. Who is that? Brother Lewis doing that. It's some little boys in the community, mischievous troublemakers. Uh, They were probably named Ronald Gene Spurgeon because that's the way I was, you see, and that's the way you were too. You said, no, I was a good little boy. Mo, they still need to hear the gospel even if it's in the dark. And we didn't want to run them off. We just uh, said, please don't turn that off. And they didn't the rest of the week. Because if you turn the gas off, the generator's going to go off. They were smart enough to figure that out, wasn't they? Now listen. He said, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood at the lake of the generator. Uh, Gennesaret. Gennesaret. (laughs) I can say that. (laughs) I even listened to it on my Bible app this morning when I was coming. I want to say that just right for them fellers. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I've heard a lot of them from Macon County say words that I'm like, oh my, they really butchered that. (laughs) I'm not talking about you, Brother Don. But as they passed by, they saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was was Simon's. And he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. I can remember preaching one night in Jamaica. If you've not ever done any open air preaching, I highly recommend it. <laughs> there were some brothers that was here. I got filled up, didn't the, the dew come down and that, that mourner's bench we laid out, it was soaking wet, and I was walking on that bench. And I wasn't preaching to the people that was right there. You know who I was preaching to? I was preaching to them Jamaicans hiding in the bush. And I could see their eyes. And I wanted them to be able to hear what was being said. I can remember what I preached on. I said, uh, they didn't crucify Jesus. 
you did. And that was my text. And that's us. If you got to get out on a boat where people can hear you, get out there where they can hear you. Amen. Some people said you got to, the, old, the older preacher said, get up, speak up, and shut up. <laughs> Good advice. Now, when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out to the deep. And it says, and let down your nets, for it was a drought. That means a catch. Listen to what was said. Simon answered and said unto him, Master, (laughs) we have toiled all night. Some of you have been preaching a long, long time. And so discouraged. But don't be. Some of you are just starting out preaching. You're going to be discouraged. Don't be. Just keep your eyes on the master. (laughs) He said, we've toiled all night. And we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. I told you, he's the greatest paymaster of all if you do what he says to do. When he says to do it. When they laid this down, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned it to their partners, which were there in the other ship, that they should come and help. We got partners here, brothers. We need to help. We need each other's help. And as they come together, they came and they filled up both the ships that it began to sink. And Simon Peter saw that he fell on his knees, Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh, Lord, listen to me. Every one of us that are in this building are sinful men. We're going to sin. We're going to come short of God's glory. Uh, But he's here to forgive and to help us uh, brush off them pants, get up and preach the gospel, forget about the past, and go forward. Peter said, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished in all that were him at the drought of fishes which they had taken. And so it was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, he says, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. He said, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. There you go. There's your marching orders. And as he gives you your marching orders as a good soldier, uh, ready uh, for the master's use and ready to go out and fight the battles that God has called upon you to do, that's your calling. It's a spiritual battle. And it's a battle that's going uh, to be every day of your life. Do not, do not take a break from it. And you say, well, I got to do this, I got to do that. God understands that. And I'm not saying that. But even when you're on vacation... <laughs> Even when you're on vacation and going to the beach with the kids during the day and preaching revivals, God can bring a little girl and a boy (laughs) together and put them in a ministry to help other people. I'm glad it works that way. What What a joy it is. So he says to them, and when they, when, you, you pray for me. 
<laughs> this is important. I got to read it. I'm going to run out of time. That's all right. Paul Harvey says you can come back for the rest of the story. <laughs> and, when, and when they had brought their ships to land, it says they forsook all and they followed him. Now, if you go to Belize, Brother Lewis, he, 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 uh, he owns quite a bit of land there because he's a, one of the indigenous people there. He's a Mayan. So he can claim the land that he wants. You know what he did with his land? <laughs> he said, let's put, let's put the building right there that we're going to worship in. <laughs> and we did. <laughs> and then we took a little walk over this little farm there. He said, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's some kind of tree there. There's pineapples over here. There's this, there's that. And then he said, you know where you're standing right now? I said, no. He said, this run will put your house. <laughs> he said, Brother Bonnie's is right over there. I'm going to clear that land out. They don't clear with the mach- they clear with the machete. That's what they do. And he says, I got a place for you. I'm telling you, God's got a place for you. He does. Find out where that place is. Talking to my wife, she said, that's not our place. <laughs> but it's a good place to have one. <laughs> well, then in this devotion, I've got just a few minutes and I'll be sure. This is what it says. In these passages that I rest, just read to you, contains the first of two similar fishing stories that frame Jesus' earthly interaction with Simon Peter. This is the second. In this account, Peter immediately recognized he encountered someone holy. I wonder what gave him that idea. (laughs) Okay. It's also the moment Jesus called Peter as a disciple, is what the, this says. But I, I, uh, I want to warn you. Sometimes you'll read things from others that have written them that it's probably just not exactly right. I believe this is the place Jesus called him to preach the gospel. I really do. You see, Andrew had already took him and said, you need to come and see. <laughs> Andrew went and took his brother Peter to John the Baptist because Andrew was already a disciple. You read up on it. He was already a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they said, we, we found him. Found who? The Messiah. And he brought Peter to see him. So I think that's a more accurate statement. Well, three years later, three years later, Peter betrayed Christ. Everybody knows that, right? You preached it. Exactly. Believing everything was over, he returned to his old life as a fisherman. We know he did that too. Read John chapter 21 after his resurrection. You'll find all about that. Then the second miraculous catch of the fish took place. Again, Peter realized it was Jesus. The first miracle was God's call into Peter's life. The second brought restoration and reaffirmation of the call that took place. Now, have you ever had a bait shop experience? Every one of us, who's ever been to a bait shop? Yeah, sure. Amen. Yeah. I've been, one of my favorite bait shops was uh, when I first moved to Kentucky was uh, Roy's Barbecue on our way over to Lake Malone. And you go in there and you get your minutes. Roy, he never washed his hands. <laughs> He'd count them minners out. Minners, you see, you got to talk making sometimes. Minners. 
He said, he count them minors out because he wasn't going to give you too many more. He said, I'll give you a couple more for them other three that died. And then he'd go over there and he said, how many worms you want? And he grabbed the worms. And then he said, you want any barbecue? I said, give me two sandwiches. He wouldn't wash them hands. He'd take it, dip them out, put it on the bun, put it on top, put wrap it up, and say, here's your barbecue. It's the best barbecue you'll ever eat. <laughs> but if you go to a bait shop, keep this in your mind. There's a man that went in for the first time to a bait shop, and he selected a tackle box. He got the tackle box. He's standing in the town's small bait shop. He filled the shopping cart. <laughs> filled the shopping cart. <laughs> That's a clue. He filled the shopping, the shopping cart up with hooks, lures, bobbers, line, weights, and finally, he added his live bait and his barbecue. He selected a new rod and reel, brand new rod and reel. And the owner says, you ever fished before? Everybody here has preached at least once, right? The shop owner asked and said, he said, uh, well, no. He reached over and he grabbed this box. He says, uh, you better add this. It was a first aid kit. (laughs) Listen, folks, you better have your first aid kit. He said, the owner said, this was the first aid kit. The man agreed, (laughs) didn't ask no questions. (laughs) Sometimes you better ask questions. He didn't ask any questions. He uh, headed off to to the day and guess how many fish he caught? (laughs) He didn't catch a one. But he used everything that was in that uh, first aid kit <laughs> when he came back. You see, your tackle box is the Holy Bible. Amen. Read it. Amen. The town's small bait shop, well, you're going to have various com- customers all over that don't fish in the same species. And there's going to be all kinds of so-called denominations. My time's up, but you can just, uh, would you give me one minute? Okay, two minutes. And he... Uh, he gathered, uh, you're going to be called out into all denominations. If you go, if you go to Belize, you're going to, be, you're going to experience all kinds of denominations. All kinds of, I'm going to tell you. Uh, Brother Tom up here the other day doing this, you know. There's going to be things that just will make you uncomfortable. Uh, just, just, le- just let it go. Just let it go. But then there's some that you can't let go. Okay? There's going to be other denominations. They'll gather in the same place. They're going to gather in the same bait shop. They're going to recommend the same bait and the same tackle. They're going to fill up the shop. They're going to fill up the shopping cart with full of tools. But I want to say something. Of many that, uh, uh, of many of which many are cautiously available. There's going to be things available to you. But I want I want to warn you. There's sayings that are, are available to you, young preachers. I'm talking to you and, and, and as, us as well. E-sword. I, I hear people say, well, I use e-sword. It, oh, I don't have no problem with e-sword until the lights go out. Listen to me. Until I, I, I'm pretty familiar with, um, with computers, okay? They're only as good as the guy that programmed them and the one that's over there uh, doing that funny business all the time, he can take it all out. And then where you where you at? Where's your e sword? He said, "Well, I can take my I can take it and put it in a computer. What if the computer don't work? There's going to be things that you're relying on. This is what I'm trying to stress. There's things that you're relying on. You better have a, an extra backup. 
Here's your extra backup. There's your extra backup. If you want to be used for the master's use, you depend on God. And not so much on uh, various Bible translations, commentaries, online sources. You know, we're going to have crashes. You're hearing about them all the time. Dictionaries, various educations, occupations. Have you ever fished before? What's your answer? Yes, no, I think so. You better add this. The first aid kit. The man agreed. He paid no questions asked. Not even a prayer. Heading out. Each time you go to preach, you might not catch a thing. Listen, except a great deal of pain, a great deal of burdens, a lot of hard knocks, cuts, bruises, disappointment, and stripes. But you go and read the rest of this uh, outline. Start with Romans chapter 5. Okay, Lord. I'm up here, the devil saying, you better stop. They'll kick you out. Let's kick him out. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and that word experience, it doesn't mean, the, uh, look these words up, it's more about your character. It's all about your character. If you want to be meat for the master's use, it's the character. It's not so much what you do in the pulpit. It's what you do with what you got from the pulpit and go out. And after you've preached it, you, you, you act on it and do as God says to you. I feel miserably. I'm not, I'm saying that. Experience hope and hope make it not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When you have these hard knocks, you just have a little talk with Jesus. And he'll help you all the way. Thank you for listening to us today.